Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Josh Brown, I heard you were in need of a game of the year for 2023. And let me tell you, it's Street Fighter VI, my friend. Hello, Scott Telford. How are you doing? Is Street Fighter VI that good, is it? Because all weekend, my friend, and as you might be able to tell from this podcast and the fact that we didn't get one yesterday, mm. I'm a little bit ill, so I've had nothing but t- downtime on my hand. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. everyone is telling me that Street Fighter VI is game of the year, or at least a contender for game of the year. It's just, it's a beautiful, smooth thing. I should say this is the wind-up. I'm Scott Telford. That's Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Hill. Where we always tackle the latest talking points, the latest video games, the latest happenings in the industry. And we're going to get to Summer Games Fest soon enough because Jeff Keighley and one Ed Boon, Mortal Kombat's own Ed Boon, firing up the, the hype fires over on uh, on Twitter, just saying they, uh, they can't wait to blow the roof off the place later in the week and everything. So we'll get to Summer Games Fest stuff. We've got some things we want to talk about. But right now, games are flowing. And if it's not Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, it's not Lego 2K Drive. It's the, the thing that I, the Jedi Survivor as well, all the different <laughs> games that I'm talking about. But Street Fighter Six is the one that I feel, I was wondering whether it was going to be overlooked or not, but it's number two in the UK box charts. Um, can't dethrone Zelda, but um, but yeah, that game, I mean, like it's I've played nothing else since getting that. It's like one of those jealous girlfriend memes where it's just my entire backlog looking at me looking at Street Fighter 6 because I've not finished Dead Space, I've not finished Resident Evil 4, and I don't think I'm going to. But you've been looking forward to this for a while, right? I mean, you played the demo last year, all of the trailers have knocked your socks off, and then when the reviews came out and they were that promising, I absolutely knew you were going to be all <laughs> over it. In Scott Telford, it's it looks so good yeah. that it's almost made me buy in, and that is saying a lot because, as I mentioned to you outside of this podcast, its aesthetic presentation is so not my thing that it. it has this barrier up. But the single-player like story mode looks amazing the fighting looks incredible i like the additions they've made to the fighting at least from an outsider's outsider's perspective to make it more accessible to people like me who always get their ass kicks kicked (laughs) in street fighter specifically it feels like they've made all the right moves as capcom as a publisher has been doing generally recently anywhere yeah, man, the, the Capcom are like on absolute on fire at the minute. I think it was in 2020, um, and I forget the name of the CEO who was like being. Someone was recording him at like a party, and he had a, f- a couple of hands full of Volavons, and someone went up to him and he turned around and he says, "Capcom is back," and I was like, "Yes, it, it fully is." Ever since then, they've been on this insane run. Whether it be Monster Hunter, Resident Evil, Street Fighter, um, the resurrecting Dragon's Dogma, just absolutely flying. But yeah, Street Fighter Six. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say buy it for the story mode, although this is the most fleshed out story mode they've ever had, where you're creating an avatar, you're talking to the different characters. 
it's like a semi-open world thing with different biomes that you're beaming into and you're doing side missions you're doing random battles it's like a mix of like it's kind of plays like Yakuza you're sort of like going up to people and randomly fighting them you can just uppercut anyone you want and it'll go into a fight straight away and you're grinding out XP that way and getting different um, like cosmetic unlockables and things like that um, building up different bonds with the main characters like Chun-Li or Luke or Ryu or whoever um, to unlock more moves to make your dude like the ultimate fighter who can do everything um, that whole mode is really really fun super campy super just steers into like the fandom I feel like Capcom have like rediscovered horniness across the last few years anyway <laughs> with like Lady D and everything and so um, like, redisco- like you know just sort of re-remembered all of their roots all of the campness that was always in their games and that's entirely what this story mode is it's like big sexy campness which I love and so um, that stuff's really really fun but the, it's the core mechanics that they've like overhauled like they've done all this stuff with um, the different terms that apply to the word drive you have this main drive bar at the top of the screen and you burn it in different ways whether you want to do like an invulnerable move because you can just absorb a hit and punch right through someone who's coming at you um, unless they land three hits in your animation which busts you back out of it again but you can use it to close distance you can use it it also doubles as your overdrive meter so you can use it to like power up certain moves um, and you can also you have like an um, invulnerability block as well but that's vulnerable to throws so like Street Fighter over the years like you know has always is sort of known as like the tech fighter where you're specifically counting frames and like it's it's that level like it is like the esports fighter and like Street Fighter 5 was like kind of offered up to like it was like sacrificed on that altar because it was like let's just get it out because we have an esports tournament to promote and we just need this next game for everyone to play and obviously Street Fighter 5 was like an abomination in that regard because it was really really content thin um, but this thing is like rammed. All the fundamentals that they've overhauled, I love. I find that you can just just hang in that like in that zone of like um, all these different counters and parries and rock paper scissors stuff that goes on underneath. Um, with hands down the best presentation they've ever had. Like I absolutely love this like Spider Verse adjacent style. So I get it's not for everyone, but like for me, it is. It's such a perfect pristine package. Well, you said there, you know, don't get this game for the story mode. Mm. But as someone who hates playing fighting games online mm-hmm. because it's way too humbling and I don't <laughs> want to lose oh, much I've been of flattened. my pride yeah. in doing so. Like, you said it was content-rich there. I've heard about the story mode. I've mm-hmm. heard about, like, the great mechanics. Like, what does this have for someone like me who would be jumping in, not for the story per se, but for that kind of context to keep giving me interesting fights or interesting scenarios or is there like a good arcade mode in here for instance so, like what is there on a single player level that's the thing like the, the, the main if you're if you're I wouldn't like I would encourage you to dabble in the online like they've got really good balancing and like they have a whole new control scheme like there's like modern controls which like massively simplifies all the like various inputs that you've had to do for the last like 20 odd years of Street Fighter um, you know moves that used to be like down diagonal forward punch to do like a fireball you now just push like forward and triangle so like um, there's a whole thing there that'll ease you in but I think like the single player stuff is fun enough but it's very much an addendum to the multiplayer like you have the in the in the story the avatar that you make like has in the pause menu like a shortcut to the battle hub and the battle hub is their big like digital arcade which is hands down like the coolest thing like you know you're waiting for fights you can go up to all these little digital arcades where you can see other players sitting playing each other and you can choose to go in the queue or you can just spectate if you want um, or you can go up to all these other arcade machines that are there and play all the other Street Fighters and they're just like circling them out every month they sort of say like oh Street Fighter 2 is available right now because the game just came out um, but Final Fight is in there which is like another Capcom game um, and they've got like uh, Puzzle Fighter is in there so it's like you've kind of got all these like cap- it's such a just a lush feeling everyone can talk to each they're in text chat and everyone's emoting there's a dance floor in the middle of the arcade so everyone's just like <laughs> nice. freaking out 
um, everyone's got their own custom avatars. So it's like you are like building up your character in the um, you know in the main story and stuff. Then you're going online. For the most part, when you're online, you're just running around as your avatar, but you can pick from the main roster. But it just has that arcade feeling. And if you have any arcade bone in your body, it's a great like modernization of what it felt like to be in an arcade like back back in the day. Scott, when dinosaurs is, roamed the earth. This is funny, man, because <laughs> we're going to get into a little bit about gaming habits uh, mm. in a little bit, just just a little bit when we talk about yeah. Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. But it's funny there when you say if you have at all an arcade born in your body. <laughs> I don't, man. Right. I really don't. I realized the other day that um, even when I'm playing multiplayer games, gaming to me is such a singular, isolating experience. Like, okay. I use it to be on my own. So the idea of like going to an arcade now fills me with dread. Oh, even dude, if I it's mean, digitally. Yeah. No, I I back the same thing in terms of like it is like it is pure escapism like it is one of the most direct things and I definitely love that too, um but it's just that idea of like what they've built they've built this it really costs. great like communal space which kind of like almost plays off the stereotype of an arcade almost plays off like the memories people have of arcades and um, which like sometimes lined up when you were in them back in the nineties or whatever but it's the idea of an arcade that's in like the movies or when people talk about like a bunch of people huddling around a um a computer like waiting for their turn or whatever um but yeah the whole battle hub thing is awesome I think that like you mentioned though is there arcade is there other single player stuff yeah um, they do have an arcade mode here you can pick how many rounds you want to do it's like 5 or 12 or something different difficulty modes or whatever tiny bits of story we're talking about like little like um, you get bits of art you unlock it across the um, the story itself there's no real cutscenes it's sort of just like introductions to your character you get a payoff at the end it's very simple stuff um, yeah. like the meat and potatoes is the fighting like I mean it's one of those things where I'm just loving jumping into one on ones um, and doing that stuff going back into the battle hub fighting a bit online getting absolutely flattened getting pancaked <laughs> to F, and then going back in the single player, doing a bit more of that. I think it, it all works well with it, every other bit of it. Um, and they've done a great job of like seeding all the wider Street Fighter stuff in there. Like you can put commentary on, which isn't something that I cared about. I, I never cared about esports this much. I never cared about esports that much anyway. Um, but the, and the idea of like shoutcasters and commentators and things like that, I just never cared. I always thought it was really cringy. Um, but it is fun. And like they, it, it did make me watch the first Street Fighter 6 esports tournament that was on like the other day um, and I watched that some dude called Punk One it was awesome and um, so I watched that and I was like oh you are getting me into this wider sort of like world of Street Fighter these like these different avenues that they've gone into over the years um, because it's all presented so well and because it's also encouraging us to like no like get in there figure out your frame data like really like master a character and, and like you know work out that tool set for your character and it's not going to be for everyone and I think that that is the top tier I'm certainly not at that tier um, but you can see it and I think that like the way that they let you get involved in that um, like trajectory is just it's just so so smooth it's so well thought out um, at every degree and if you just want to put the modern controls on and just bad the living hell out of someone with like the best animations of the year then you totally can that's really cool man like I am really pleased to hear it like I was loving living vicariously through you and other content creators mm. over the past uh, weekend and in the week when the reviews dropped because everyone who seems to be into Street Fighter or into fighters generally seems mm. to be loving this game loving it as a full package loving it as like you said maybe even an entry point into the esports scene or taking um, fighting games a little bit more seriously and getting into that kind of frame data stuff like you mentioned mm. as a total casual that scares me but it's cool to see <laughs> it's cool to see people happy about Street Fighter again after mm. the disaster that was Street Fighter 5 
Yeah, well, that's the thing. And it's, it, it, they are playing such a card with this as well because the first set of outfits that you can get, um, you can't unlock them in the game or you can just cough up the money and buy them, are the Street Fighter 2 costumes. So they're directly, yeah. they're going right for the heart. They're going right for the sort of most mainstream, most talked about entry in the series. Because I think they are very much aware that if you ask someone, average person, you know, have you ever played Street Fighter? They'll say Street Fighter 2. That was one I came up on as well um, before I had Street Fighter 3 on the PS1. And so, like, it's that thing where, like, I ended up paying the five pounds because I was like, well, I want I want Ken's um, like outfit, and I want Ryu's outfit, and I want Kami's outfit. Damn it! So I want all that stuff. So like, I did it my first microtransaction in like years wow. or something. Wow. I don't know how long. So I was like, I, I'm gonna. I, well, the thing, the way that I rationalized it in my stupid poisoned head was, I was like, well, Street Fighter Six's base RRP is 55. It's not 60 or 70. So I expected to pay the 60. So when I paid 55, <laughs> I was like, well, that five makes it what would be the RRP. So I was like, ah, okay. Hey. Tell yourself whatever you need to, my friend. <laughs> Tell yourself that I would have done it. As someone who bought the uh, romantic costumes for uh, Ashley and Leon in Hell Resi yeah, uh, 4, I completely back <laughs> it. Like, you want those skins. And Capcom shouldn't nickel and dime us as much as they do. But mm. at the same time, they know what we want, and it's really annoying. We might have to do the, the horniest microtransaction you <laughs> gave into as some sort of chatty face. Um, but yeah, I'll be checking back in on Street Fighter 6. It's literally the only thing I'm playing. Uh, I managed to uh, wrap up a Jedi Survivor last night. My various thoughts on that game, but well, I can't be bothered to go into them now because I just I don't know where I'm at on that game. There's a lot to it, um, but still, Stop. go on. Not on this podcast, but I'm really excited <laughs> to do a proper debrief with you because me and Ewan did a podcast a few weeks ago. Yes. Jumping into story stuff, but I know we differ quite a lot in terms of what we got out of Jedi Survivor. Mm. So I think there's going to be a classic episode of the wind up coming yes. up on that at some point in the future. Yeah, we'll do a proper like sort of showdown face off thing because I do think it's incredible, but only in certain bits. I definitely don't. I just don't think it's like a five-star thing, whatever. So that's my side of it. But I know that a lot of people absolutely love it, including you. So I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about what different people get out of it that make it that good. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, uh, like, you, like you say, it's one of like, I feel like this year has had a lot of those games where people either love it or they kind of don't mm. necessarily get it or don't vibe with it for whatever reason. Like, I mean, we're having it right now with Street Fighter Six. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt that it's an amazing game, but it's funny that you mentioned the esports sort of presentation of it because something like that can just turn me off a game entirely. Mm-hmm. I love Forza Horizon and the way that game plays and the art direction of it but the framing and the context of the later Forza Horizon games you know Form 5 it has that kind of esportsy style like very um over the top hype mentality yeah, yeah. behind it that kind of just puts me off and it's 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 frustrating because the bones of that game in that franchise i love and mm. want to continue playing but like the context in, in which all of that stuff is taking place just kind of it puts me off and it's really nah. frustrating when that happens no i, I totally agree like the, all the horizon fest stuff like kind of gets to me as i think it's it's that fine line between like genuine passion and like being excited and shouting about something oh my god this thing's great and then fake fun and corporate and this and, and you're like being forced to say this thing's great when it's not um, or whatever. Street Fighter and the Street Fighter community is just so hardcore and nerdy and frame datery that I don't think anyone who's like an executive would ever understand it anyway. So I feel like yeah. it kind of gets in there. Um, but I know exactly what you mean. Um, you should give us an update on Zelda because you did another 10 hours yesterday. 
Well, here's the thing. Obviously, <laughs> uh, since the last time we did an update, I hadn't actually thingy. played it since I did finally one of the temples. After 25 hours, <laughs> I did one of the temples, and then I went away for a week. I went to Slam Dunk in Leeds, which was really great but overcrowded. Yep. Went to see the Mouldy Peaches in London, which was one of the best gigs I've ever been to. And then I spent a few days in Manchester seeing Arctic Monkeys, and now I'm oh. paying for it as a result because I got ill along the way. <laughs> Uh, right at the very end, thankfully, so I managed to make all of the events, but now I'm very ill, which was the perfect excuse mm. to take a day off yesterday and literally play 10 hours of Zelda after play- playing about 8 hours on the Sunday when I got back. Mm. So I put some quality time into this game now, and I finally feel like, I mentioned last week, I've gotten into the groove of it way more. In terms of like actual content that I've completed in the game, I've checked off so much stuff. I feel like my Link is way more powerful. I've seen so mm. much more of the map. And I'm just vibing with it in in a much better way than I was previously. It turns out that when you actually do the stuff that the game wants you to do, you'll have a good time. (laughs) Isn't that so weird? Isn't that really strange? Like all the side missions have been popping off. The main missions have been popping off. While I didn't care much for the uh, wind temple, I did the water temple last night. And that was like amazing, visually spectacular. I'm just in a real good groove with it right now. And if you asked me last week, I would have said that Jedi Survivor was above it on my Mm. game of the year ranking. But now I'm not sure. Now I'm starting to question that. And I've still got a lot of ways to go with it. I'm about 50 hours in at the time of recording. So there's still two more temples and more to do. But mm-hmm. it's uh, it's slowly creeping up there as I get to grips with it. But what a strange game, as we established last oh, week. Oh, man. Yeah. I, the, th- the thing is, I don't want to like, I don't want to bore people by talking about Zelda every single week because I get that it's a platform exclusive. If you don't have it on the Switch, you're just like, oh my god, I can't even listen to these podcasts where it's the entire thing or whatever. And we're not going to be going into uh, plot spoilers. We'll probably do a spoiler cast later um, or something like that. But I do feel like it is this ongoing conversation because it feels like millions of people are kind of playing at the pace that you're doing. Because even when I see like the latest clips that are up- uploaded or whatever on social media, it's still from the opening fields of Hyrule or it's maybe from the first temple. I feel like every collectively getting through it um, and they're, they're collectively it feels like people have maybe done one or two temples max um, of the four and there's still more stuff than that to do so like I find all that stuff fascinating I've, like I said I've got a whole bunch of different thoughts on it I like thoroughly enjoyed my time with it um, but I sort of like referred to it as like a four and a half star game with many five star moments in there it's just yeah. that it doesn't necessarily like keep the needle pinned the whole time because it is so similar to Breath of the Wild and because it is so easy to kind of almost have like a lack of purpose in the world itself in a way that like they're trying to sort of like channel almost like a death stranding where it's like use the tools at your disposal to make your way through you know make things that will get you through the levels um but they never really encourage you to actually you don't need to do that it's very rare that you need to build something to get around um and i i wanted a bit more of that to sort of make the the whole world feel like a dungeon almost quality sleep is essential for boosting energy recovery and well-being so take your sleep to the next level with sleep number With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Introducing Wondersuite from bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Yeah, 100%, I would agree, man. Like, I mean, the when I finished the first temple, the next thing I did was like a multi-hour thread in the depths I mm. ended up in there. And because that wasn't in Breath of the Wild, obviously, like just it all felt new. The way I was navigating that area was new. Mm. I was encouraged to use the um, building mechanics way more to get around more efficiently, to light up the area. I was chasing down a very specific character or a very specific storyline. And when T Tears of the Kingdom is focused like that. I do think it's five stars mm. completely, you know? Yeah, I yeah. thought it was that focused for the first five hours in the tutorial area. You get chunks of it where it's just like, okay, this is all you're doing for the next five hours or so, six hours, and you're going to have the best time. But then, like you said, you go back into the open world and it's still a great game, but you kind of lose that focus. And it's just like, man, I kind of wish it's impossible for them to do this, but I wish it was all as authored as the stuff well, that I just experienced was, or at least as fresh and as new and as motivated as that stuff was. Totally. like that. That's what I mean, because it's like you have little things in the open world. Like you find that dude that's putting up all the President Hudson signs. And it's like, and there's different ways that you have to, you have to think of different ways that you're going to make something that will hold that sign up and it changes because the, the shapes of the signs change and it's on you to think your way through that and I'm like I wish there was more things like that like I said like more, more maybe you see an enemy encampment that's like reinforced with something so you know you need to find something that would flip the roof off or something something like that that would encourage you to think in a way that forces you to use those tools to literally build a machine or build something that would um, you know do something that you couldn't standard do do standardly as um, as Link or whatever so I, I for me it's like it was so close and like you said the authored stuff is so awesome um, but for me, it was like, like I said, it's like a four and a half star. The needle is on four and a half, but occasionally it spikes. Sometimes it stays there for a while and it's great. And it's like, this is absolutely phenomenal. I just kind of wish it was there the whole time. And I think it has a, it has like a weird approach to pacing, like in terms of the, and the different things that it encourages you to do. But I know that's all like part of a much bigger conversation. Um, Cause it's like seeing so much like effusive praise for it and just going, this is already game of the year easily, etc. It's not that I disagree. It's just that there were things that I wish that it had done a bit better or like the tool so that you have available i kind of wish they pushed you in those directions a bit more because those are clearly by far the best parts of the game it's funny man because i feel greedy when i talk about the game's <laughs> faults because i love the focus stuff i love the structured stuff but i also do like the freedom that the game gets you and i feel like mm. you can't have these potential moments of purposelessness if you if you uh 
while still having that freedom you know my True. favorite thing about this experience is that everyone's experience is different you know we were talking this morning before we jumped on the pod about like missions that we tackled and how we tackled them when in the story did we tackle them mm. you know i'm doing stuff at 30 hours in that you didn't tackle until like the end game nope. and i love that sense of discovery i love that player driven freedom and i think you know it's kind of natural that when you give the player that much freedom and that much agency in the, in the story you, they'll inevitably run into like kind of like those lulls where they're like looking to bring everything together and that's mm. the trade-off that's happening here and again it's kind of greedy because i love that but mm. then when it kind of kicks into gear for the temples and whatnot like i love that as well I, I i love i love it i love it both ways i don't think in my eyes you can actually make a better version of this game almost in a way mm, maybe not i think for me that's the thing i love that sense of tranquility and that like peacefulness and serenity that you got from breath of the wild that was what made the little pockets of action and like the journey to get between them so beautiful and magic and like that, that i mean I, I prefer breath of the wild personally overall and um, my time with it it was very hard to recapture that feeling because obviously they rebooted Zelda kind of thing um, in 2017 and then this is so fundamentally a thing that is bolted onto Breath of the Wild both literally in the level design and also like in terms of the d design wise and thematically and everything um, but yeah I think it's one of those things where like they try and walk that line and it's not that I need the, every single inch of the world to be filled with stuff but I just wish there was a little bit more incentive to sort of push you in those directions to make you think in ways that was like oh I bet if I attached a something to something it would it would do this or maybe i would solve it this way and you'd largely do that anyway but i feel like they could just they could incentivize you because they do it with the likes of the president hudson stuff or they do it a little bit in some of the more authored things where they're sort of pushing you in a direction or they'll give you a certain set of tools that make you think like oh i bet i can hook that round there and do this and do that just more things like that because i always find that in the open world you come across the building materials where it's like a bunch of wood and a few wheels and it's like okay well i guess i'll make like a cart or something but like for what like that'll get me somewhere a little bit faster but I'm, it's not like i'm stunting over something to get somewhere or i'm not trying to build up momentum or you know it, it doesn't go further than that it just sort of says like hey you can build stuff and it's like okay why like in those in those instances i i, I know what you mean um, and I, I kind of i agree and i don't because mm. it's like you never have that kind of like reason to do something very specific. But I also like that because it means that players of every kind, no matter what you're interested in, can kind of get something out of the game. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not, I don't have, I've said multiple times, like I don't have the imagination to just, build something or be creative in that way so if the game was relying on that all the way through i probably wouldn't like it you know what i mean i probably would put it down they could teach uh, you though they could do a whole set of systems that would you would go in thinking that well i'm not going to be able to do this and the magic of the game should be in unlocking that part of you well i think they do that right but it's yeah. just there's i don't know you kind of know if you it's like i'm not built for minecraft you know what i mean <laughs> i tried to get into minecraft i'm just not built for it my brain doesn't get any satisfaction from that style of things but here you know like i can enjoy it to an extent but if that was kind of all i was doing i might get a little bit frustrated mm. sometimes i get frustrated with the shrines and i've unlocked something now that makes building way easier because it kind of removes the impetus on me to have to kind of like think about every single component and how it works like mm. the game does some of the work for me which is really welcome and once i kind of 
got to that level i've enjoyed it way more because mm. you know i can it's not on me to that um i'm not like messing around for 20 minutes with a bunch of components trying to figure out what works and what doesn't and that's quite fun at the beginning of the game but like i say if it was all that i would probably get frustrated so i like that there's never just one solution to anything it's kind mm. of it leaves it up to the player of do you want to build a hovercraft for instance to get over these planes or do you want to do a massive paraglide and just get to it that way do you want to drop from the sky do you want to go under the depths mm. and kind of come up i like that it gives you all of those options rather than railroading into into in, into one that's what i say like when i talk about like the the, the trade-off that comes with mm. the freedom because to me that's that's kind of a, a blessing in certain areas because the core game design if it was just on that i might not necessarily uh love it as much Josh, we have technical problems threatening to derail this podcast, but we've re-synced, we've got the audio back on track. Let's talk about the Summer Games Fest while we can, and we'll check back in across later in the week because uh, there's all sorts of things going on with the Xbox Showcase, with the potential Nintendo Direct, and with Summer Games Fest itself. Um, I wanted to highlight something that you sent me on uh, Slack before we were recording, um, which was Jeff Keighley talking during a Twitch Q&A, um, addressing the CG trailer debacle that's been doing the rounds ever since the PlayStation Showcase, um, which is funny because Xbox's Aaron Greenberg was replying to a fans saying everything will be gameplay at their showcase and there were no CG trailers here which is a very nice little needle to the competition of just saying we're not going to do any of this this fake stuff over here so <laughs> um, but Jeff Keighley um, responding to a fan with the same uh, thread over on Twitch um, said it's really hard for CG trailers to deliver for fans one thing we've been pushing for developers to do is that maybe if you have a CG trailer show a little bit of gameplay at the end we did that last year with Atlas Fallen from Focus which looks really cool because they initially presented a CG trailer which was beautiful but I was like hey why not put 10 to 15 seconds of gameplay at the end end. Sometimes we pass on CG stuff because I don't know what the game is or if it's going to be good or not. So I hope that this means that between SGF and Xbox we have a, a summer, a couple of summer showcases of actual gameplay this time. That would be amazing. And you know what? I'm going to give Jeff Keighley a lot of credit here because I love that he's pushing for at least a glimpse of mm. gameplay at the end of these CG trailers because that satiates me, honestly. Like, I don't mind a CG trailer here. I've mm. said this before. But to, like, give us a glimpse of what the game is actually like at the end of it or throughout, like, that... It works for me. It stops the developers having to take time out to create a vertical slice that we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, instead of giving us a big demo, it at least attempts to be reflective of the final product whilst uh, being smuggled almost inside of a CG trailer, <laughs> which is a it's a cool way to do it and it promises more from the showcase, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, I back that. I think anything that's just proof in the pudding stuff, I feel like we've had so many just logo reveals and CG reveals, things that don't really give any people things to talk about. We sort of just go like, well, like, I guess that's happening. There's not really anything you can say other than just it's coming. That looks potentially cool. Um, but speaking of CG trailers, Mortal Kombat 1 had one for its main reveal the other week. Um, and Ed Boon, both Ed Boon and Jeff Key, like I said at the start of the podcast, are just over on Twitter saying they're both just hyping it up so much. Um, Ed Boon was like, oh, I've just edited this trailer. And he had a gif of like, um, you know, someone like wiping their brow kind of thing. And then Jeff Keighley was like, oh, Ed Boon's about to blow the roof off the um, in, in the stadium or whatever it is. Um, and again, Ed Boon was like, they're all sharing like pictures of nukes with each other and like the black radius coming at people and everything else and um, Ed Boon also tweeted uh, cameos combos and breakers which um, cameos is like the whole cameo fighter thing so I think we'll be seeing whatever the first wave of them is even though it's leaked if you look on Amazon it seems like it's uh, Peacemaker and Quan Chi and um, there's like Megan Fox is apparently in there so yeah. 
I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, that should be the cameos thing. Cameos with a K. Combos. And the fact that they're mentioning breakers, um, like that was a whole sort of MK9 thing. And not that it was out of the other games, but the idea of having like more defensive options so you can interrupt combos and then have like the momentum of a fight go back and forward a lot more. A lot of people love that stuff in fighting games in general. Street Fighter VI very much has it. Um, you know, it's not like a brand new thing or anything, but I think if you're going to make it a, a focus of uh, this early in the game to sort of mention it, then MK's more technical side might be the thing that they focus on a lot more because between Injustice 2 and MK11, they also, like Street Fighter, started mentioning frame data, started letting you see the frame data of how long a certain move is taking before you can go into another one, um, which that's a whole other level of fighting games that I mean, I could see you shaking your head. <laughs> I am, I am, but you know, this is MK and I love this series. I love that mm. it appeals to both the hardcore fighting fans as well as the more casual fighting fans who just want to see, you know, a bunch of gnarly combos and people <laughs> getting their spines ripped out of their backs and that's what mk has always delivered like for my money for my casual money mk11 is like one of the best fighting games i've ever played it's so smooth mm. it is so violent it is so weighty it feels excellent to play the presentation is awesome the story mode was really good um i thought the cg trailer for mk1 was really interesting we did that reaction to it that yeah. blew me away already and the promise of getting gameplay so soon um, and having the release date come within just a few months Months. it's exciting times man like this is mm-hmm. the one out of the big three fighting games this year that we haven't seen gameplay footage from yet we've seen loads from tekken three fighters obviously out so i want to see what this has up its sleeve to kind of combat with a care um those other two franchises i hold out hope that they show the story mode i feel like it's, it's weird it's ironic it's whatever that there's all this sort of back and forth between um street fighter and tekken and like they've sort of been operating on like a whole separate plane where like tekken uh, tekken 7 had um the dude akuma from street fighter and all of a sudden you had tekken 7 um special moves you had all these sort of different like finishes and things that you could do there's arguably fatalities in street fighter 6 there's a couple of characters whose special moves would kill a man or kill a person <laughs> and like that stuff is like a whole other thing and I feel like all three of them are sort of dancing with each other right now and it, it's it's like if you're a fighting game fan it's heaven because it's always like technology's come so far along frame rates are nice and smooth you've got all these different like these like veteran teams that have been with these um, you know franchises for decades just making the best version of those core ideas ever and they're all coming out in the same year so I like I'm fascinated to see what they do with MK because MK11 was in itself like a, a like real refinement and the best MK so far and on a technical level and all the different ways that they let you measure out all your um, finishers and specials and everything. So I'm massively psyched for this. This is my like my number one thing that I can't wait to see. Um, we're not going to run down like a whole bunch of um, predictions because I think there'll be a lot more to talk about in the rest of the week anyway. But um, anything in particular you would like to shout out? Well, it's funny. You mentioned earlier about Jeff Keighley going to developers and saying, could we please get a bit of gameplay <laughs> on the end of this CG trailer? Please I'll say. tell you one man he won't be saying that to, and his name is Hideo Kojima. If Hideo <laughs> Kojima turns up to this showcase and has a new CG trailer for Death Stranding 2, he is going to take it, and I am going to love it as well if he does, because <laughs> I want to see more from this game. You know, when we did our um, predictions for the PlayStation Showcase, I thought for sure it would be there. You know, we saw it, um, was it last year or the year before? Um, mm. It seems like it might have a release date uh, of 2024, um, but it makes sense, of course, based on how close Jeff Keighley is with Kojima, that it would be at Summer Games Fest instead. Uh, So hopefully, Kojima doesn't let me down for the second uh, time in a row. I want to see more from this game because, man, like Death Stranding is amazing, one of my favorite games of the last generation, and I want to see what he's got up his sleeve. 
I think Kojima tends to be a gameplay guy, or he tends to be an in-engine guy, which, like, that's a nice split. I'll t- if you're con- like, I would rather not have a CG trailer, but I will take an in-engine cutscene. I'll take an in-engine something, because at least it's a bit more tangible than just, like, the idea of something. Well, you, you are kind of right, Scott Ilford, mm. and I know this is the exception that probably proves the rule, but I think it's hilarious to say that when the very first trailer for Death Stranding that we saw was made before he decided an engine <laughs> that he wanted to use, where he was like, oh, I don't know whether to use this or whether to use Gorillas," and he was just kind of like True. knocked it up, and then we coasted on that for a while. But you're, you're right, I feel like with Death Stranding 2, now that we know what that game is, he needs to, well, he doesn't need to, he's Hideo Kojima, he can do what he wants, but we know how that game plays now, yeah. and I think people want to see gameplay, they want to see what's been added compared to the first. CG trailers for Kojima games are always um, really fascinating, but yeah, like show us what you've added to the gameplay of this series, if yeah, you man. don't mind, Mr. Kojima. Please, Big K. I feel like the um, that there yeah, that whole CG trailer, like I forgot that was initially CG, and then they remade it in engine because by the time they showed it off, it was exactly the same. Like he did manage to hit that. So yeah, I guess like you said, it's sort of like this weird exception rule thing. But either way, Kojima is usually a big player at the Summer Games Fest, um, and it makes sense for him to be there. A couple of the things I wrote down um, were just um, the idea of a new Naughty Dog game. Like there was that whole thing about Sony holding back um, at their showcase, like according to various insiders, saying that they someone like Tom Henderson for Insider Gaming had said that he. Had had seen various trailers that weren't shown at the showcase and so for me it makes sense if you're Sony to hang back and put them out at a platform where you're going to be going head to head with Xbox or going head to head with whatever the third parties will have their stuff to show off um, to also throw in here, um, you know, there's probably more f- something from Final Fantasy Rebirth as well. I feel like Square's kind of doing a weird dance with Final Fantasy. There was like an insider thing that Final Fantasy 16's pre-orders are, are lower than 15, um, and that's a whole thing. But um, I think overall, you know, you'll have this st- sort of strong Sony presence because they need to get back up after being sort of after stumbling during the showcase. That's really interesting, man, because. I guess we'll see in a few days. Uh-huh. I don't think they'll be there much at all. I think really? they'll be there for Death Stranding. Otherwise, I think they would have had it at their own showcase. Like I'm sure they'll have mm. a presence. I don't think they're going to, you know, just stand out, stand off completely after they've done their own showcase the other week. But I think we'll get Death Stranding. We might get Silent Hill but we might not. And mm. I don't know if we'll get much else. We might get like another trailer for Gran Turismo or oh, Horizon gosh. or whatever, but <laughs> I'm, I'm personally not expecting much of a Sony presence. Oh, okay, I, yeah, I'm just thinking that like the the general conversation coming out of that showcase, even though we totally like the showcase, you can go watch our reaction to it. Um, that the general reception was just so so negative. Just and then and obviously alongside all the live service stuff, um, and alongside the the Q light portable, the pricing on that, I feel like they have a lot of things doing the rounds that are not very pro Sony. And all they need to do is get out there and just say, here's a Naughty Dog logo, here's what they're working on, here's Sucker Punch Two and Ghost of Tsushima Two, here's whatever's happening for PlayStation. We, we're okay. You guys are okay. Like. That would be an easy enough thing to do. I worry it's too late for it, man. I feel mm. like with the showcase just being a few weeks ago, Summer Games Fest has been, you know, probably in production for months at this point with Jeff True. Keighley trying to lock down these trailers, organizing it, scheduling it, or uh, rehearsing it. I just think if, I don't know, I don't see Sony trying to 
course correct with this show in particular. It just seems a little bit too quick for them to go, actually, yeah, you know, let me shove a bunch <laughs> of trailers into your show, Jeff, because we need to save face, especially with Xbox just a few days um, out from the Summer Games Fest uh, one as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd love to see more Sony. Of course I would, but uh, I just... I'm not holding out much hope for it. That, that's, an, that's a fun thing to have right now as we go into it. Um, the only other thing that I had down um, just as a wider umbrella thing is whether we'll see Nintendo there or not. Um, because I was just thinking, like, do you, like, just banana sandwich ridiculous stuff. Do you get the new Switch announced? Do you get something that is, like, really, really big mentioned there? Do Nintendo hang back and only show something at their own showcase? Or, you know, how big did Nintendo go? Well, Scott Elford, I just don't see that happening either. I feel like we're getting too hyped about Summer Games Fest. I think Jeff Keighley might have even said in an interview that he struggled to get Nintendo down. Like he's like, so he like the think. biggest publisher, game maker that he couldn't strike a deal with. I don't know if that's true, mm. but I, I just... Nintendo do things their own way, man. If they're announcing a Switch 2, they're doing it at their own um, event, I reckon. Though I love the optimism that you have going into this. I feel too jaded. Yeah, well, I just, I mean, it, w- it won't be a new Switch. It's just that he managed to get the new Xbox a couple of years ago, a few years ago. Um, but I think maybe it's it's more than time for a new Mario. I think the overall thing with Nintendo is that they'll do a Nintendo Direct or they'll do a Treehouse stream or they'll do something in amongst this stuff. They always wait until the very last minute anyway. Um, but that was it for the Nintendo thing. I'm looking forward to it. We've got that. We've got the Xbox showcase. We've now got the Capcom showcase that was just mm. announced. We've also got an Ubisoft forward, which I completely forgot about as well. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> illness aside, it's potentially going to be a good week. for. Uh, It'll make you feel better. This It certainly will. It's the medicine that I need, hopefully, <laughs> until we get a bunch of CG trailers and uh, Death Stranding isn't there, of course. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep on top of everything as the week or two rolls out. Like Josh said, there are a ton of things to keep up with. For now, this has been The Wind-Up. I've been Scott Tilford. That's been Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you, and we'll catch you very soon. Goodbye. <laughs>